Amen. Let's get in the Word. And and so uh, if you've been if you've been with us uh, for a number of months or weeks, this whole year, I've been talking about victory, right? Yeah. Started talking about my victory. We talked about uh, in the name and everything that we've been given in the name. Uh, a couple months ago, I started talking about we overcome. And, and we'll, so we'll probably stay on this uh, this morning, the first service. And don't forget, Dr. Savell will be ministering at our 11 o'clock service today. So if you don't have any plans, encourage you. Hey, it's, hey, it, you know, church isn't a bad thing, right? So, you know, you can't get too much of, of the word, right? So, so if you have nothing going on, I encourage you to stay around for our founding pastor, um, you know, next service at 11. But this aspect of we overcome, you, you need to understand that it's God's will for your life to overcome. You know, no matter where you are right now, God's plan is overcome. You know, sometimes we can just sit back and settle for maybe the defeats we've experienced or maybe settle for, well, I guess maybe just God has some sort of meaning for this struggle that I'm going through and, 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 and just, well, so be it. But no, you, you always need to press in to victory. Always press in to God's plan for your life. You know, don't, don't settle for where, where you might be right now. Don't settle for the attacks. Don't settle for what maybe other people have done, in, done to you. Don't settle for what other people have said over your life. Don't settle for maybe how you grew up as a, as a child. Don't settle for, for anything. Press in to the greater things that God has in store for your life. Because I believe the best is yet to come. Say that with me. The best is yet to come in my life. You need to understand that and know that. You know, there was times in my life where I experienced things because even my own choices. And, you know, and I was like, well, I guess this is just, you know, what I deserve. Yeah, I, there, there might be some things that I deserve, but his mercies are new every morning. You know what? And just because I may have made some bad choices and, and made mistakes, Vic, you know, his, the plan, his plans and his calling are without repentance. Amen. Meaning his plan hasn't changed for me. In spite of what I, what I have done. See, see, the only thing, there's a saying that we have up here is the only way we lose is if we quit. Right? The only way we lose is if we give up. The only way we lose is if we just throw in the towel. But you know, hey, the word says in Hebrews 10, 38, says the just shall live by faith, right? The just shall live by faith. And if any man draw back, you know what? We do not draw back here, right? We do not draw back. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Great things for your life. Amen. So we've been talking about we overcome and, and I don't have time to, to go back and review the last nine weeks we've been dealing with this. But I, I want to read something to you. And this is a summary of Romans chapter 8 because this all came out of uh, Revelations 12. We overcome by what? The blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, right? We overcome who? The enemy, right? And, and so we dealt with this the last several weeks, but I want to read, read this to you. And this is a summary of what Paul wrote in Romans 8. And it says this, Nothing in this world has enough power to disconnect you from the love of God. You're like, where, what script, where is this scripture? It's not, it's, it's a summary, okay? So, get this. Nothing in this world has enough power to disconnect you from the love of God. No angel, no demon, no government, no creature, and no mistake of your own making will ever be capable of cutting you off from the love of God. God's love is greater than man will ever be able to comprehend. It reaches to the highest mountain and it penetrates to the lowest parts of the earth. 
regardless of what you're facing in your life today, God's love is with you. And nothing will ever be able to disconnect you from this awesome, powerful, all-consuming love. Can someone say amen? Amen. If you have your Bible, turn to 2 Timothy 4. 2 Timothy 4, and I I closed with this last week. Because this is the Apostle Paul. See, the Apostle Paul in Romans 8 didn't just teach a good message. It's not just communicating a good message. But it's living a good message. And so, so we, we can hear Timothy, you know, see, sometimes we can communicate what we would do in, in difficult circumstances, but do we do what we tell what other people we do? You know, sometimes we're, we're great counselors, but we're horrible doers. You know, well, if I was in that situation, this is what I would do. You know, if I, you know, there, there, there's times that I found myself, it's like I'm talking to someone just by the unction of the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, man, I need to do this. <laughs> you know, it's like, this is good stuff right now, you know. And, and, and so I think my wife even says, hey, you, you, are you doing what you preach? You know, I mean, I mean, so the thing is, is, is sometimes we can teach a good message, but there comes a time where the message that we preach, the enemy will challenge just with it. Right. And so, so when we read Romans chapter eight and a lot of amazing things we discovered in that, but the thing is, is was Paul a doer of what he preached? So let's look at this in second Timothy four, because this is something that is up close and personal in Paul's life. Thank you, father. Verse 16 in the amplified, it says at my first trial, No one acted in my defense as my advocate or took my part or even stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. That's even a this is a little side note. That's even a a little lesson. It's something like they all forsook me. And he says this, may it not be charged against them. You know, they all forsook me. Lord, strike them dead. Lord, strike them dead. Get them, knock them, knock them down. Lord, no, he said, may it not be charged against them. So people may do things to you, but the thing is, is you can't allow a root of bitterness to get into your heart. See, you can't help what other people may have done to you, but you can help how you respond to it. Because how you respond to it is going to determine a greater outcome in your life. If you, if you respond to it of, of in bitterness, then you'll always stay in bitterness. But you have to give God something to work with. So Paul's giving God something to work with. Everyone forsook me, Lord, so may it not be charged against them. That's for no charge. Verse 17 says, but the Lord stood by me, meaning they all forsook me, but the Lord stood by me. Thank you, Father, and strengthened me so that through me, the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was delivered out of the jaws of the lion. Verse 18. And indeed, and indeed, the Lord will certainly deliver. You need to be certain that the Lord's going to deliver you out of wherever you might be right now. The Lord will certainly deliver you. That's assuredly, assuredly that that I'm not staying where I'm at, but he's going to certainly do something in my life. Certainly. We're hearing Paul's heart. We're hearing his testimony, what we overcome, what by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. We're hearing what, what Paul, what God has done in Paul's life. We're hearing it, right? And he will certainly deliver me as he delivered me. Then he's certainly going to deliver me now. 
the Lord will certainly deliver and get this and draw me to himself from every assault of evil, every assault of evil. He will preserve and bring me safe unto his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Now, I want to I want to focus on that thought here in the Amplified. It says he will certain the Lord will certainly deliver and draw me to himself. Draw me to himself. The testimony of Paul wasn't never based in him being able to deliver himself. His testimony was the fact that the Lord stood by me. The Lord will certainly deliver me. And the Lord will draw me to himself. See, what I want to deal with today is I want, I want to deal that when, when if we're going to overcome and live a winning life, it's going to be based in faith. But it's not faith as in just an object that we're trying to pursue or faith being some sort of fad or a message, but, but faith being birthed out of this personal relationship that we have with our Heavenly Father. You know, like the song that Cassie wrote that she sang just a little bit ago, I Call You Father. That was birthed out, birthed out of her personal relationship with, with her Heavenly Father. I call you faithful. You see, he said here, the Lord will draw me to himself. And this word Lord here is not Jehovah, but this word Lord here can mean master or it can mean father. So it wasn't just Jehovah, all powerful God, but, but here it is this Lord, it is this Lord Adonai, it is this Father. The Father will draw me to Himself. This one that desires to have a personal relationship with me will draw me to Himself. You see, I want a personal relationship with my son, and my son desires to have a personal relationship with me. And here, here, Paul is saying, how I'm going to win in this and how God's going to take me into his kingdom is he is going to draw me to himself. Why? Because he is a heavenly father. And it's this personal relationship. God wants to be personal with you guys. He wants us to be personal with him. This is not some sort of religion that we ascribe to. It's not some sort of crutch we use to get through life. But is this personal relationship that we have in a day in, moment by moment, minute by minute, hour by hour relationship. So overcoming isn't based in our ability, but it's birthed out of this connection and this relationship that we have with the Father. Paul said, nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. See, it's this, nothing's going to disconnect me from this relationship. This is something personal. It's something that's intimate. Let's go to Acts chapter 17. And let's hear Paul some more here. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. We're hearing his testimony, nothing Thank you, Father, will separate. The Lord will certainly deliver me and he will draw me to himself. Acts chapter 17. And this is one of my favorite stories in the book of Acts because Paul, I'm telling you, he, he was an educated man. 
Bible says he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, counting the law. He was blameless. He, he, by the time he was seven years of age, he memorized the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, Genesis, Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy. By the time, if you were going to be a rabbi or a Pharisee, you had to have, by the time of ages five or seven, you had to memorize the first five books of the Bible. And by the time of your 12, you had to have understanding and had no word for word, all the law and the prophets. Wow. And so here, the apostle Paul knew these things, but yet there was a time in his life where he knew them as just something that was head knowledge. And here he is, he's showing up in Greece. He's showing up and you know, you you hear things in philosophy and you hear things of like Plato, Socrates, Galileo and all these things. And here, here the apostle Paul goes up to a place called Mars Hill. It's there today. It's right at the base of the Parthenon. You know, Annette and I have been there and you're standing there and you can see the Parthenon and there's this field there where they had all their games and that you can look around and you can see all these different uh, buildings that were erected to different gods. You can see it. And so here in that day, it was no different. When you stand there today, it looks no different. There's some things that are modernized, but there it still looks like it did when Paul was standing there thousands of years ago, a couple thousand years ago. And you see that and you're standing on this place, Mars Hill, and all those people, those, the philosophers of that day would stand there and they called this place and they built this place there. And they said, this is the altar built to the unknown God. That's what they call it. If you go there today, they call it the place to the unknown God. Yet Paul's listening to them, you know, with their philosophies, listening to all them. And Paul tells, starts to talk to them and tell them who this unknown God is, unknown to them. And he says this starting in, um, thank you, Father, verse 24. Actually, he starts further up, but for the sake of time. Actually, let me just start in verse 22. It says, so Paul, I'm reading the Amplified, so Paul standing in the center of Oropagus, Mars Hill, said, Men of Athens, I perceive in every way, on every hand, and at every turn I make, that you are most religious or very reverent to demons. Wow. He, he didn't pull any punches. He, you're, you're serving demons. <laughs> All these things that you're doing and talking. You know what? You're just reverent to demons. Bottom line. And he says, so for as I pass along carefully, get this, observe your objects of worship. Remember, I pass along. Remember, I just, you look at that place, you can see everything, all their different houses of worship. I pass along and carefully observe your objects of worship. I came also upon an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. Now what you're already worshiping, know what you are already worshiping as unknown. This I set forth to you. The God who produced and formed the world and all things in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in handmade shrines. Neither he served by human hands as though he lacked anything, for it is he himself. He gives life and breath and all things to all people. He made from one common origin, one source, one blood, all nations of men to settle on the face of the earth, having definitely determined their allotted periods of time and their fixed boundaries of their habitations, their settlements, their lands and their abodes. 27. So that what? Meaning he created everyone for this. 
so that they should seek God. You know, you want to know why you're here you're, to seek God. It said he created all nations, all men set their boundaries for one purpose. And that was to seek him. So if you don't know what you're called to do in life, Hey, let me get, let me start you out on the, the main thing right here so that you could seek God in the hope seeking him for what in the hope. Seeking him for a reason in the hope that you might feel after him and find him. Although he's not far from each one of us. Now get this for in him, we live and move and have our being as even some of our own poets have said, for we are also his offspring, meaning just as he has created everything you, he created you. And he created you so you could seek after God. He created you so you could find him. He, he created you so you could seek him, find him. And you could realize that it's only in him. Say that in him. In him. See, so that you in him, you live and move and have your being. Meaning no matter what you might be called to do in the, this, in the earth, no matter what you may be called to do with your hands, know this, that it's in him. It's in him you live and move and have your being. You want success in life? You want to overcome in life? It's going to come down this. It's in him I live and move and have my being. See, the apostle Paul, his testimony was, it's in him I live and move and have my being. It's in him. He draws me to himself. It's interesting. He says this, even as our poets have said. Are poets. Well, who is he talking about poets? He's talking about the book of Psalms. He, cause he, what he knew the word, Vic, even as our poets have said. So now is see faith is always going to come from the word. Faith is always going to come from a word from God. So here the apostle Paul faith, what's the Romans chapter 10 verse 17 faith comes by hearing and hearing what by the word of God. Abraham had faith to leave his father's house because he got a word from God, right? So faith is always going to be built out of that word of God. So how could could Paul preach this with such emphasis? How could he preach this with such authority? Because he had faith in what the poets have said. He had faith in what the word said. This wasn't a poet like some rhyming poet. This wasn't poet of philosophy, but this was the poet talking about David, talking about Moses, talking about Asaph, talking about the songs of Solomon, talking about the words and the things written by Solomon. And so here he is, his faith was established in something and it was established in the Psalms. If you keep reading a few verses later, he actually totally declares uh, uh, Psalm chapter nine, verse, uh, verse, verse eight. So let's go to Psalm chapter nine, verse eight. Because we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So here, Paul is speaking from another person's revelation of God. And I could take you to so many scriptures and Psalms where David pretty much declares the same thing about seeking God, seeking after God. Psalm chapter nine. That clock needs to slow down. Hallelujah. 
just a few a few scriptures for us today. Psalms nine. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Starting in verse eight, because in Acts chapter seventeen, verse thirty one. This verse eight is what is what uh, what Paul declares what Paul speaks. So he says this, and they amplified it. it. Says, and he will judge the world in righteousness, and he will minister justice to the people in uprightness. Verse nine: the Lord also will be our refuge and high tower. What what was David's David, Paul saying? It's in him I live and have my being. It's in him in him. In him I live and move and have my being. He goes on and talks about, as our poets have said, we are also his offspring. Meaning, I'm part of the same flock. I'm part of the same people. I'm part of the same God. As, as the one that wrote the, the poets, the same one, I'm a part of the same family. So what can we read into this of what the Apostle Paul was saying? Verse 9, the Lord also will be a refuge and a high tower for the oppressed. A refuge and a stronghold in times of trouble. Meaning as he wrote that to, Paul is saying, as he wrote that to the prophets, what the prophets wrote, wrote, he is my refuge. He is my strong tower. See, Paul had a revelation of where to go when he was troubled. Where to go when he was oppressed. So where do you go when you're troubled? Where do you go when you're oppressed? The Lord also will be a refuge. Now this, this particular word refuge means a place of defense. It's a high place. It's to be set up on high. See, you need to see today that if you're experiencing difficulty, you're experiencing uh, things that are oppressive, that you need to come to a place that it's in him I live and move and have my being. It doesn't matter what they might say about me. It might not. It doesn't matter what symptoms are coming against me. It comes down to this. The Lord is my refuge. The Lord is my high place. The Lord is my place of defense. For the oppressed. And what he's a refuge. I mean, he is a high place. He's a place. He's a stronghold in times of trouble. And then verse 10. And they who know your name. Who have experienced acquaintance with your mercy. His love. Will lean on and confidently put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. On the authority of God's word and the right of their necessity. Now, now connect this with what the Apostle Paul said in Acts 17. What he said, it's, we were made and created to what? Seek after him. Why? Because it's in him we live and move and have our being. So what is David saying here? And they who know your name. To know someone's name is not just to say Jesus or just say God, but it's to know their character. It's to be acquainted with them inside and out. It's to have a personal relationship. See, my wife knows my name, but she knows, she knows my name because she knows me. Now, 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 you know, Aaron knows me, but doesn't know me like my wife knows me. So he's only going to know me to a certain extent. So, so here, this has to become a discovery. I want, as a, as your pastor, my heart is for you to know him. 
Because when you know him, then we can do the next part. And they that will lean on, confidently put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. So when Paul said, as our, as our poets have said, he is saying, you know what? I seek him. Why? Because it says here, if I seek him, if I seek him, if I lean on him, if I seek after him, he will be my refuge. If I pursue him, pursue him, he is my high place of defense. And I trust him. And I love that because then it says this at the very end, the Amplified, it says, those who seek you on the authority of God's word and the right of their necessity. Meaning, meaning this is needful, Vic. Meaning, see, our relationship has to become, oh yeah, thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. See, religion will say, that you have to have a legal relationship. But what Jesus, what Jesus provided gave us the access to have a vital relationship. See, legal means, meaning, meaning I, from a legalist, meaning I, I just have to pursue God because if I don't, then I don't go to heaven. But when it becomes a vital relationship, vital means it's necessary. It's, it's, it's priority. It's, it's, it's the key. It's the most important thing in my life. It's the, it's the, it's, it is the main thing. So what's the opposite of vital? The opposite of vital would be meaningless. It would be secondary. It would be, well, just a second thought. See, that relationship that we have with God has to be the most important thing. And it's not something that we do just to earn points with God. I don't know if I was clear with that. Thank you, Father. It has to become a vital relationship. Not something that I do just to get by. Or just because, hey, rough times came, so let me pray today. I hit rock bottom, so let me just pray today. That would be kind of classified as, as it's kind of like legal. It's like, well, okay, well, if I'm going to get an answer, then I got to go to God, right? I mean, but no, it needs to become vital. Thank you, Father. Let's go to Psalms 91. Psalms 91. I believe Psalms 91 was written by Moses, but I believe it was compiled by David. There's not really a name on Psalms 91 and who actually wrote it. Uh, if you research and go into the Greek Septuagint, that actually puts David as the, as the writer of it. But I believe he compiled it just because of some other things that were written in this and the way it's written. Um, I, I believe it was Moses, but like I said, David compiled it. But let's look at this in, in Psalms 91, verse 1. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God on Him I lean and rely, and in Him I trust. So let's go back to David just for a moment. In him, I live and move and have my being. As the prophets have said, as the poets have said, we are his offspring too. Meaning I'm going to live the same way they lived. With that same pursuit and that same trust. 
I love that. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God. On him I lean and rely and in him I trust. It kind of sounds like in him I live and move and have my being, doesn't it? It's not, doesn't, that sound, doesn't that sound similar? In him I live and move and have my being? See, we're seeing the Apostle Paul, how he lived. It wasn't just a message he preached, but it's how he lived his life. It's in him I live and move and have my being. There's so much in Psalms 91. Verse, 33, verse 3 says, For then he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. So here, get this. He says, because if you look at verse two, it says, I rely and trust in him for then for there is just telling us then. So when I do this, this is what I can expect when, when, when he's my trust, this is what I can expect. Now, this word refuge here in verse two is different than refuge in chapter nine. This word refuge means my hope. In refuge in chapter, uh, Psalm chapter nine means to be set up in a place of defense. But this word refuge is a different, different Hebrew word and it means hope. So it really means this. I will say of the Lord, he's my hope and my fortress, my God on him. I lean and rely and in him I trust for he, my hope will deliver me from the snare of the fowler. And from the deadly pestilence. See, when you're facing difficult times, you need to say something. You need to say something. You know what you're going to say? You're going to say what you know God to be in your life. I will save the Lord. When he's your trust, what are you going to say? I will save the Lord. He's my trust. I will save the Lord. He's, he will deliver me from the snare of the fowler and the deathly, deadly pestilence. You need to say whatever's going on in your life, you need to say, he will deliver me. He will deliver me from this. He will deliver me from this. See, that need, when you trust him, that's a place of faith. And when you trust him, you need to be, get bold say, he will deliver me from the snare of the fowl. The one that tried to destroy me, God's going to deliver me from this. God's going to set me free from this. Yeah, I, yes, I see these symptoms in my body, but he's my refuge and he's going to deliver me from this. He's going to deliver me from this pestilence. He's going to deliver me from this sickness. He's going to deliver me from this poverty. He's going to deliver me from this abuse. He's going to deliver me from this. But it comes out of that relationship with heaven. Thank you, Father. Verse 4 says, He will cover me with his pinions and under his wings shall you trust and find hope. His truth and his faithfulness are a shield shield and buckler. Oh, he's saying he's faithful. He's faithful. That faith here that the poet is writing that is saying his faithfulness surrounds me like a shield. Thank you, Father. Verse five says, he goes, you shall not be afraid of terror of night, nor of an arrow. The evil plots and slanders of the wicked that fly by day, nor of the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destitution and sudden death that surprise and lay waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. See, all hell could be going, going, breaking loose in our world around us, but it shall not come near me. Right now, there could be a sickness and a disease going around and people might be getting, but it shall not come near me. 
There could be a recession that may hit a community, but it shall not affect me. So, see, you have to get to a place of who and what your trust is in. It has to come to it's in him I live and move and have my being. Verse 8. Only, now get this, this is, this is really big on the inside of me this morning. Only a spectator shall you be. And this, I love the Amplified, it says, you're inaccessible in the secret place of the Most High. See, that's where we need to get. It doesn't matter what might be going on around us. We are inaccessible. We are inaccessible in the secret place of the Most High as you witness the reward of the wicked. Only a spectator. See, it's time for us to stop participating in the world. And, and, And so some of you, that means you need to stop going to places you've been going to. So some of you, that means you need to stop watching some things you've been watching. Some of that, they might be some stop singing some songs you've been singing. For some of you, you might stop be hanging out with some friends you've been hanging out with. See, because it says only, you'll only be a spectator. See, you stop being our participator in what's going on in our world and let's just be a spectator of it. See, you need, you need to get on the right side of the fence. See, too often we're a spectator with God instead of a participator with God. But we need to we need to jump in with both feet, both feet and say, hey, God, I'm going to be a participator in your kingdom. I'm not I'm not going to serve you from a distance. I'm not going to serve you based on what someone else has did or what my mom did. I'm going to be a participator in this. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for revelation. Thank you, Father. In verse nine, because you're only a spectator. Why? Verse nine. Because you have made the Lord your refuge and the most high your dwelling place. You're you're a spectator. Why? Because you've made the Lord your refuge and the most high your dwelling place. Paul said, in him I live and move and have my being. So you know where Paul lives? In him. What 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 is the poet saying here? My most high is my dwelling place. In him I live. See, your dwelling place is what? Where you live? Where do you live? In him. It's in him I live and move and have my being. Tell you, overcoming is not about what we can do in ourselves, but it's what we can trust him with. Oh, Father, I thank you. Trust him like never before in this season. Trust him like never before in this season. I want to do some amazing things through you. I'm going to reveal my heart to you. There's things that will march you because, because of being a, a past father. Because of past fathers and past relationships. But I'm going to mark you with my heart. And I'm going to mark you. And the enemies that you had seen before you, according to Moses, you won't see them no longer. It will never be a second thought. And you'll look back with joy and expectation that God puts you in his perfect plan and perfect will. So don't second guess my thought or my love for you ever again. Because I become your dwelling place. 
Verse 10 says, there shall no evil befall you nor any plague. Thank you, Father. Come near your tent. Cassie, can you go ahead and come up? Thank you, Father. There shall no evil befall you nor any plague calamity come near your tent. For he will give his angels charge over you to accompany and defend and preserve you in all your ways. Verse 12, they shall bear you up on your hands lest you dash your foot against the stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent shall you trample underfoot. Then verse 14, then it shifts conversations. Everything is where we dwell, but now God speaks back to the poet. God's speaking back to us because it changes tenses here. Then it says this, because he set his love upon me. This word here is lowercase he because it's talking about man. It's not he and me being the same person. See, people don't understand how this is written, okay? Verse 14, all of a sudden changes who's being talked about. Now it says, because he, because, Rochelle, because you made him your dwelling place, he... Rick, because you made him your dwelling place, because he became your he, (laughs) because he, because I have set my love upon him. If you change the tenses like the tense like that, it makes more sense because I have set my love upon him. Therefore, I will deliver him. I will deliver because you set your love upon him because you put your focus on him because you chose to him to make him your source because you chose to make him your dwelling place because you see that's what the apostle Paul was saying early on he says even as the poets have said it's in him I live and move and have my being why could he say that? Because I set my affection on him. Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set on him high. Why? Because he knows and he understands my name. Not because you earned it. Because you know him. You're running after him. You're pursuing him. You're seeking him. He's your affection. He's your pursuit in life. I will set him on high because he knows my name. He has a personal knowledge of my mercy, my love, my kindness, my trust, and relies on me knowing I will never forsake him. No, never. This is what the apostle Paul had a revelation of. I've set my affection on him. I'm seeking him. And because I trust in him, verse 15, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. I'm telling you, don't think that, that God isn't, go, isn't with you in this trouble. Don't think that God is separated from you. Don't think that God, the enemy would make you think that God is a million miles away. But I'm telling you, when you choose to seek him, yes. James 4 says, if we draw near to God, he draws near to us. Meaning the moment that you go that direction, the moment you turn that direction, I'm telling you, God is right there and he's ready to pick you up. He's ready. He's ready to take you into his arms. He's ready to bring you close to him. 
and ready to manifest His goodness. I'm telling you, this is a year of marvels, wonders, and extraordinary manifestation of His greatness. I'm telling you, but we have to find ourselves in the secret place. Find ourselves in Him, dwelling in Him, seeking after Him. He shall call upon me and I will answer Him. I will be with Him in trouble. I will deliver Him and honor Him. With long life will I satisfy Him and show Him my salvation. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Show Him my victory. The one that calls upon me. The one that seeks after me. With all of His heart. With long life. I'll satisfy Him. And reveal my salvation. Manifest. Manifest. Reveal something is to manifest something. Marvels, wonders, and extraordinary what manifestations of the greatness of our God. Stand to your feet as I turn to one more scripture. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You're faithful. You're faithful. You're faithful. Some of you today need to make a decision on who and what you're going to pursue in life. Some of you need to make a decision that you're no longer going to be a spectator in God, but be a participator in God. Because I'm telling you, he's the one that wants to take you into his promised land for your life. He's the one that wants to fulfill down to the last detail, everything that you're called to do. But it has to do with where we're living and what we're seeking. I want to close with this in 1 John 5. The last three verses. And I've never seen these verses like this until the Lord. And, I, and at first when he told me to go here, I was like, what does that have to do with this morning? And he says, everything. The last three verses in 1 John 5, 19, and you can put, you can put this in the Amplify, Kelly. It says, we know positively that we are of God. Positively, we are of God. And the whole world around us is under the power of the evil one. There is a difference between light and dark. There is a lot difference between God's kingdom and Satan's kingdom. There is coming a time where the word says that, that in the last days, at the end of time, he will separate the goats from the sheep. Not everyone's making it to heaven. And it won't be because God's choice. He judged sin on Jesus. He judged, he judged sin on Jesus. So the only way is if you make a choice to pursue something else besides him. God's not, God doesn't send one. God didn't make hell for man. It said he made hell for Satan and his angels. God is not going to send one person to hell. People are like, what? No. People send themselves when they reject the sacrifice. You know, hell is not hell because it's hot. Or it's dark. Or it, it smells bad. Or whatever stories you might think of. Hell is hell because God's not there. We do not know an environment. We do not know humanity. We do not know the earth without the Holy Spirit in it. We do not know. I, I, when I, it, man, it grieves me when, I, when I've heard people say that, that it, I don't mind going to hell. You do not know what you're saying. You have no, it is not a party. Come on. Come on. Right, That's good. 
And this is not the direction that I thought in my heart this was going to go this morning. But verse John 5 says, we know positively that we are of God and the whole world is under the, under, <laughs> under the power of the evil one. And we have seen and know positively that the son of God has actually come to the world and has given us understanding and insight progressively to perceive, recognize and come to know better and more clearly him who is true. And we are in him who is true. In his son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. This man is the true God and life eternal. Now, verse 21. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. From anything and everything that would occupy the place in your heart do God. From any sort of substitute for him that would take first place in your life. You want to overcome in life? Make him the primary pursuit. You want to overcome the addictions you've been facing? Make him your primary pursuit. You want to overcome whatever you're going through and whatever you're facing? Pursue him. Turn from idols. We have to stop looking for other people and other things to be our victory. Stop looking for other things and other people to be our breakthrough. Stop looking for other sources and other opinions and other ideas to be our strength and be the one that's going to cause us to overcome. Because I'm telling you, we're coming into a time where we as the body of Christ need to know positively that it's in him we live and move and have our being. That's why the apostle Paul said, The Lord stood by me and strengthened me and he certainly will deliver me and draw me to himself. Father, we thank you for the word today. Hallelujah. Everyone with your heads bowed. I says the Holy Spirit's working in this place. And this is not a necessarily a thing where I believe my heart for you to come up and lay hands on you but I believe this is a a, this is a a a decision of purpose this is a quality decision this is a decision that where, where, where we say I'm in father I'm all in today, Father. I don't want to be a, a spectator any longer. I want to be a participator in your kingdom. I'm tired of living in, in the outside. And I'm tired of living from one defeat to another defeat. I, I'm, I'm ready to get in the game. I'm ready, to, I'm ready to run with you, run after you with all my heart. I'm ready to put aside some idols. Like, like, like First John said, it, it says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Meaning stop allowing things that aren't of God to take away your your priorities and the other things that, that aren't fruitful in your life. Things that don't produce. And I believe all of us in some degree or another realizes there's some things that we need to bring ourselves back to. It's in Him I live. If you're here this morning and as you have your heads bowed, you say, Pastor Justin... I want to know positively that it's in him I live and move. I, I want to, I want to bring myself to him today. I want to make that decision today. I, I want to, I want to just make, make a fresh commitment today to be in him. If that's you, just lift your hands up right where you are. I've got my hands up. Not because I'm, because I'm telling you, there's all of us, all of us, 
All of us, there's, there's areas that we need to yield our life over to. There, there, you know, there's some areas of our life where, you know what, there needs to be, there needs to be a little bit less, there needs to be a, there needs to be some less of Justin and more of God, right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, this is, this is an overcoming life is birthed out of being in him. Not, not, not someone just praying a prayer for you and all of a sudden it's going to be, it's going to change. Those things happen. Yes, miracles happen. We believe that here. But some of the overcoming that we need to step into is, is it's time for us to mature. It's time for us to take responsibility. It's time for us to go up to another level. Amen. Oh, Father, just repeat this after me. Father God, we bring our lives before you today. And we yield it to you. We bring our lives and lay it down. We pick you up today, Father. And we declare you are our focus. You are what we worship. You are who we seek after. I lay aside every pressure, every weight, every sin that would keep me back. And I look to Jesus because it's in him. I live and move and have my being. I thank you, Father, that you are my refuge. I run after you. And only will I be a spectator over the enemy. I am victorious. I thank you, Father, that you satisfy me with long life. And you manifest victory in every area of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give him a shout of praise. Thank you, Father. God is good.